Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. And thank you for standing by and welcome to the Real Matters fourth quarter and fiscal 2021 conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Lynn Beauregard. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Real Matters Financial Results Conference Call for the fourth quarter in fiscal year ended September 30th, 2021. With me today are Real Matters Chief Executive Officer Brian Lang and Chief Financial Officer Bill Herman. This morning before market open, we issued a news release announcing our results for the three and 12 months ended September 30th, 2021. The release accompanying slide presentation as well as the financial statements in MDNA are posted in the investor section of our website at realmatters.com. During the call, we may make certain forward-looking statements which reflect the current expectations of management with respect to our business and the industry in which we operate. However, there are a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors that could cause our results to differ materially from our expectations. Please see the slide entitled Caution Note Regarding Forward-Looking Information in the accompanying slide presentation for more details. You can also find additional information about these risks in the risks section uh, called Risk Factors in the company's annual information form for the year ended September 30th, 2020, which is available on CDAR and the Investor Relations section of our website. As a reminder, we refer to non-GAAP measures in our slide presentation, including net revenue, net revenue margins, adjusted EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA margins. Non-GAAP measures are described in our MDNA for the three and 12 months ended September 30th, 2021, where you will also find reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. With that, I'll turn the call over to Brian. Thank you, Lynn. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the call. So I'll kick things off today by discussing some of the business highlights for fiscal 2021 and our fourth quarter. Bill will then take a deeper dive into our financials and I'll wrap up the call with some closing remarks prior to taking questions. I'd like to begin by thanking the Real Matters team for a groundbreaking fiscal 2021, where we continue to win in both our appraisal and title businesses. We now have a Tier 1 and a Tier 2 lender who are two of the top five mortgage lenders in the U.S. by mortgage origination volumes live on our title platform. And both of these clients have provided us with market share increases since going live due to our strong performance. We ended the year with double-digit market share in the retail channel with each of these lenders a great achievement in a short time frame. With a very strong client base and a proven performance track record, we are poised to extend our client relationships in title and grow market share in both appraisal and title. 
Real Matters is well positioned to continue executing on our strategic plan of doubling our U.S. appraisal market share and tripling our U.S. title market share from fiscal 2020 levels by the end of fiscal 2025. Fourth quarter U.S. appraisal mortgage origination revenues, which includes purchase and refinance, increased 32% year over year compared to an estimated 11.6% increase in market volumes. In the quarter, we launched eight new lenders in U.S. appraisal and one new channel with one of our tier one lenders. We also continued to rank at the top of lender scorecards, which drove market share gains in the main origination channel year over year. Operational excellence continues to be our principal focus as we drive toward achieving our fiscal 2025 objectives. In U.S. title, we launched four new clients in the fourth quarter, and the pipeline is strong. We're very pleased with our performance and the market share progression we have seen thus far with our new title clients. As I mentioned earlier, we drove strong performance with our Tier 1 client and a new Tier 2 lender that resulted in market share already in the double digits with these clients in the retail channel. We are building a strong foundation with these and other franchise clients, and we continue to look at opportunities to leverage our performance equity with them to enter new channels and to onboard new title clients. At the same time, we continue to make progress with our purchase title strategy, building on our existing platform to position ourselves in this $5 billion market, further extending our long-term runway for growth in title. In our Canadian segment, we also continue to deliver strong performance, which extends our market share with our Canadian bank clients, driving fourth quarter revenues up 32.8% year over year. With that, I'll hand it over to Bill. Bill? Thank you, Brian, and good morning, everyone. Turning to slides four and five for a closer look at our financial results. Consolidated revenues increased in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021 compared to the same quarter last year due to record revenues in our U.S. appraisal segment and strong growth in our Canadian segment, which were partially offset by the decline in U.S. title revenues. U.S. appraisal segment revenues increased 28.4% year-over-year to $90.9 million. As Brian outlined earlier, our U.S. appraisal segment serviced higher origination volumes from net market share gains and new client additions, as well as higher market volumes. Conversely, revenues from home equity and default volumes declined 9.8% year-over-year due to lower market volumes for these services. Transaction costs in our U.S. appraisal, seg appraisal segment increased 33.1% year-over-year and net revenue increased 13% to $18.8 million, while net revenue margins declined 280 basis points to 20.7% <clears throat> compared to the same period last year. The decline in net revenue margins was due in part to the mix of mortgage origination volume service and appraiser onboarding to service higher volumes. With higher origination volume service in our U.S. appraisal segment, our operating expenses increased 12% to 7.6 million, up from the 6.8 million 
in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020 due to an increase in payroll and related costs. U.S. appraisal segment adjusted EBITDA increased to 11.2 million from 9.8 million in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020. And adjusted EBITDA margins expanded to 59.5% in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021 from the 59.2% we posted in the same quarter last year. And this margin expansion was a result of operating leverage. Turning to our U.S. title segment, revenues declined 50.3% year over year due to the transition of our centralized title client base, resulting from the launch of our first Tier 1 and rollout of a new Tier 2 client, the rationalization of our diversified title business, and lower market activity for home equity services. Revenues attributable to centralized title services declined to $19.3 million. Diversified revenues totaled $1.2 million, representing a decline of $2.7 million from the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020. The decrease in diversified revenues was due to lower commercial, search, and capital markets revenue attributed to lower market volumes and our strategic decision to rationalize this service offering. We expect that the diversified title business will be fully rationalized by the end of the first quarter in fiscal 2022. Finally, the decline in other revenues was due to lower market activity for home equity services. Transaction costs in our U.S. title segment increased 52.3%, while net revenue margins expanded to 67.1%, up from the 65.7% we posted in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020. The expansion in net revenue margins was due to the flow of volumes in the fourth quarter, which saw us close more transactions relative to new orders received. As we managed our operating expenses down this quarter due to lower centralized title volumes and the rationalization of our diversified title business, operating expenses in the segment decreased $1.7 million to $11.8 million in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021. Adjusted EBITDA declined to $2.9 million in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021, down from the $15.4 million we posted in the same quarter last year. <clears throat> and adjusted EBITDA margins contracted to 19.7% from the 53.4% we posted in the prior year period, owing to the impact of lower volumes. As we had done in the past, we continue to be prudent in man managing operating expenses to scale with volumes, while ensuring that we make the right decisions to support our long-term objectives. In Canada, <clears throat> Revenues increased 32.8% on a year-over-year -year basis to $12.9 million, while net revenue margins contracted by 330 basis points due to appraiser onboarding in a higher-volume environment and product mix. Canadian segment operating expenses were $0.5 million in the fourth quarter, up from $0.4 million in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020 and adjusted EBITDA margins decreased to 66.2% from 71.8% in the same quarter last year due to lower net revenue margins and modestly higher operating expenses to service increased volumes. <clears throat> in, total, <clears throat> sorry, in total, fourth quarter consolidated net revenue 
was $35 million, compared to $47 million reported in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020 due to lower revenues in our U.S. title segment. Consolidated net revenue margins decreased to 27.9% in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021, down from the 37.8% we posted in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020, reflecting lower margins in our U.S. appraisal and Canadian segments and lower net revenue generated by our U.S. title segment. Consolidated adjusted EBITDA was $11 million in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021 down from $22.2 million in the same quarter last year. <clears throat> and consolidated adjusted EBITDA margins decreased to 31.4% in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021, which compares to the 47.2% we posted in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020 due to the lower volume serviced in our U.S. title segment. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the quarter with cash and cash equivalents of $60.2 million at September 30, 2021. Two of our more significant U.S. appraisal clients remitted payments of $17.6 million two business days after our year end, which resulted in the significant use of non-cash working capital in the current quarter and for the year. We purchased 1.1 million shares in the fourth quarter under our NCIB at a cost of $11.7 million. In fiscal 2021, we allocated $97.8 million to share purchases, buying 7.3 million shares, or approximately 8% of the fully diluted shares outstanding at the end of fiscal 2020. We continue to purchase shares under the NCIB in support of our view that the company has greater value than its current trading price. Post-quarter end, we purchased an additional 353,000 shares under our NCIB. With that, I'll turn it back to Brian. Brian? Thanks, Bill. Looking back at our financial performance for the year, consolidated revenues were up 10.6% to $504.1 million. We generated net revenue of $164.3 million and adjusted EBITDA of $59.2 million in fiscal 2021. Our business has demonstrated considerable growth since going public in 2017. Consolidated revenues have increased 66%. Net revenues were up 78%, and we have grown adjusted EBITDA more than fivefold from $9.4 million to $59.2 million. In U.S. appraisal, fiscal 2021 was a record year. U.S. appraisal origination revenues were up 18.7% compared with an estimated market increase of 7.4%. We grew market share with our top clients over the course of fiscal 2021 and ended the year with purchase market share of 4.4% and refinance market share of 9.9%. Our share of each market was driven in part by shifts in our client's share of the purchase and refinance markets. Today, we service all of the Tier 1 lenders, nine of the top 10 bank mortgage lenders, and five of the top 10 non-bank lenders. Our U.S. appraisal business generated more revenues in fiscal 2021 than our consolidated business reported in fiscal 2017. 
Since going public in 2017, our U.S. appraisal revenues have grown at a CAGR of 15%. Net revenue has increased at a CAGR of 20%, and we have increased adjusted EBITDA nearly sevenfold, demonstrating our ability to scale and drive incremental margins over the long term. We continue to be squarely focused on our fiscal 2025 strategic objectives that we communicated at our investor day at the beginning of this fiscal year, and we remain confident that we can grow our appraisal business to achieve a doubling of our U.S. appraisal purchase and refinance market share from fiscal 2020 levels and deliver net revenue margins of 26 to 28 percent and adjusted EBITDA margins of 65 to 70 percent. Fiscal 2021 was a milestone year for our U.S. title business as we rolled out our first Tier 1 client and a new Tier 2 client and achieved double-digit market share in the retail channel with each of these clients. We ended the year with market share of 1.8% and centralized title revenues were up 6.7% compared with an estimated increase in refinance market volumes of 24.7% as a result of our strategic decision to focus on the long game. Our centralized title volumes have more than tripled since fiscal 2017, and centralized title revenues have grown at a CAGR of 28.2%. U.S. title net revenue has grown at a CAGR of 13%, and adjusted EBITDA at a CAGR of 23% over that same period. Despite having rationalized the diversified title business, which we represented a third of this segment, in fiscal 2017, We continue to execute on our plan with a long-term view of the business to triple our U.S. title refinance market share to 6 to 8% by the end of fiscal 2025 and achieve net revenue margins of 60 to 65% and adjusted EBITDA margins of 50 to 55%. Since going public in 2017, we've returned significant value to shareholders by purchasing 16.5% of the issued and outstanding shares at IPO, and we ended the year with over $60 million of cash on our balance sheet. We're excited about our growth opportunities and confident that we have the right strategy to continue to build value for our shareholders over the long term. With that operator, we'd like to open it up for questions now. Thank you, sir. As a reminder to ask a question, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw a question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Thanos Moskopoulos from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Um, Brian, in terms of the share gains for title, um, what are the key KPIs that are driving that? I mean. You've talked in the past about you know, improving customer experience. Uh, obviously, speed is, is a, a key factor as well. But just is it one particular KPI that your customers are focusing on that's driving the ramp, or is it just you know a, a bunch of things? Thanks, Thanos. Appreciate the question. Yeah. So I mean, there's the scorecards are uh, quite sophisticated as you can imagine. But we talk really about three big buckets. You mentioned one of them, which is speed. Uh, Another one, especially right now uh, in the market that we're in, because of the busyness uh, of it, it was quality. So quality is very important. 
And then we talk about outlier management, and so managing the files that are more difficult to get at, either uh, really expensive properties or some of them are, are uh, really rural properties, so just difficult to, uh, to find comparables. So those, those are the three main buckets, but within each one of those, uh, there's quite a few variations on how they get at um, those KPIs. So as I've mentioned in the past, uh, it's very transparent for us, uh, Thanos. So uh, the good news is with both that tier one and tier two, we have reviews every month um, on those KPIs and they measure us against our competitors. So we can see very clearly where we sit amongst, amongst that competitor set. And, uh, and we've seen that we've uh, continued to drive towards the top of those scorecards. I was, I was fortunate to be down at uh, the big NBA conference a couple weeks ago where I was able to talk to those title heads. And, uh, and it was really reconfirming for me, Thanos, that they, they were actually quite surprised how fast we'd moved up the ranks um, in, on the scorecards, which is frankly why we've been given the type of market share allocation that, that we've got to date. Well ahead, really, of uh, both our expectations and, and uh, seemingly theirs. Great. Uh, in terms of the tier three business within title, um, you talked about you know refocusing and reprioritizing there. But um, at this point, has the tier three market share kind of stabilized, or should we expect that to kind of you know trend downwards as you continue to focus on ramping up the uh, tier one, tier two, and maybe other future tier one and tier two customers? Yeah, so I, to answer that, I'd say there's there's uh, quite a few moving parts right now, uh, Thanos. I mean, you mentioned the strategic focus on the Tier 1 and 2 that we landed. So that's one that, that continues to be a high priority. Uh, secondarily, of course, new customers. So uh, not only ramping up the 12 new customers that we won this past year, but, but looking at uh, the Tier 1 and 2 pipeline, which, uh, again, I was fortunate to meet with some of those title heads uh, of the, the big tier ones down in, in San Diego. So I feel the pipeline is really solid and we're going to continue to push the pace with, uh, with the, re the RFI and RFP type, uh, type processes. Um, and of course, market conditions continue to, to evolve. And so I think that's going to play in um, a fair bit, Thanos, over the next little while. Um, we've, we've seen the new Black, Black Knight report. So it still seems there's about 11.5 million American homeowners that uh, that, are, that have a 75 basis points refi opportunity. So, so you know, there is still a good market out there. Uh, rates and consumers, of course, are, are going to drive a little bit of that. And, and lastly, I just think we've got some tough comparables in Q1 and Q2. Uh, you know that Q1 and Q2 of 2021 were absolutely historic um, volume quarters for us, and so uh, so we've got some comparable um, noise there, I think, for the next couple of quarters. So uh, within the group that we won, uh, Thanos, this, especially this last quarter, we, we mentioned four new customers. Uh, some of those are winbacks from, um, from about a year ago. So I think we're seeing good progress, both on the, the sort of sales front, uh, the operational front, of course, we're seeing very good performance, and so we got to keep winning market share with those tier threes that we have uh, on the platform and continue to find uh, the, the right ones for the long-term fit of the organization. Great. Uh, thanks, Brian. I'll pass the line. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Gavin Fairweather from Cormark. Your line is open. Oh, hey, good morning. Morning. So I thought we'd start out on um, 
U.S. title and, and the tier one discussion, you know, I think he had been aiming for five to ten percent market share in year one, and, and clearly you're kind of ahead of schedule. Can you talk about uh, any expectations that maybe you could share for year two? Well, I think uh, Gavin, it, hopefully for us, anyways, it's, it's sort of more of the same, meaning that we continue to to operate at the top end of their performance scorecards. Uh, and continue to win shares. So both of them have been very clear to us that uh, if we continue to deliver the type of, of performance that we've been delivering up until now, that they'll continue to drive that, that market share up. So my expectation is the team uh, will continue to deliver on that and that we'll continue to see that, that market share grow. And, and as you mentioned, Gavin, I've been really clear on past calls that when we do launch a tier one, my my expectation is that we get to 5% and in a great year, we might get to 10%. So the fact that we're already at double digits uh, just over six months into that launch, I think for me reinforces our strategy to ensure that we, we brought on the right capacity to deliver against uh, those expectations so that we could ramp them up. And, and the benefit, I think for us is that we then use that as our, our case when we then go to the other tier ones uh, to demonstrate that we are performing at very high uh, rates. That's helpful. And, and staying on title, the operating expenses in Q4 were um, kind of 12 million. I guess I'm curious what kind of level of volume you think that that internal capacity could support and how do you think about managing your, your internal operating expenses in that segment, given kind of the ramp up of new clients plus, you know, maybe a, a softer outlook for Ray Refi? Yeah, so I, I think that's, I mentioned sort of those moving parts uh, earlier with Thanos. Um, so I think we've got those moving parts in play. Um, I think we built the capacity up to ensure that we were delivering um, the performance that was required, Gavin. So. As I say, I mean, I'm feeling like that we're, we're uh, seeing the benefits of ensuring that we had that capacity in play uh, for the Tier 1 and Tier 2. So we're going to have to see how things evolve, how our market share uh, continues to expand with those players, timing on new customers coming on board and, uh, and ramp up of some of those customers that we've launched in the last few quarters. But we'll be very mindful, right? So uh, number one, need to have the capacity for the big uh, players to make sure that we're operating at their expectations uh, on performance, uh, make sure that we're keeping enough capacity for uh, expected increases in new uh, customers coming on board, uh, but at all, all at the same time, keeping an eye on what's happening in the market and, uh, and following sort of how volume plays out depending on 10-year rates over the next few quarters. Got it. And then maybe shifting over to appraisal, you, you kind of commented on the, the market share stats uh, that, that you put out, which did, which did show kind of a modest dip in 21. I, I think you referenced it is kind of a maybe moving share within your client base. Can you just elaborate on that? Sure. So, I mean, if, I think if you take a look, uh, Gavin, at the information and the data that the, the big tier ones, both bank and non-bank lenders have put out in the market, I think you'll see that, that not uh, surprisingly, historically, non-banks have done quite well in a refi-heavy market. So uh, somewhat unsurprisingly then, you, you'd look back at 2021 and non-banks uh, definitely outperformed uh, the, big, the big banks, the big asset banks. So 
Uh, that, that, I think, was a bit of a shift in our overall uh, business simply because, as you know, on our portfolio, we've got the Wells, the Chases, the, the Cities, those big banks. We also, though, have Quicken, and we've brought on uh, a couple of the biggest non-banks this year onto the platform. So over time, I think that will definitely start balancing out. But in 2021, with our concentration on incredibly uh, big banks, we saw a little bit of noise in the in the market share gain. So, I mean, if we took that out, Gavin, which we did, we did the analysis of sort of taking out some of that that shift in market share between those players, uh, you would have seen double-digit market share expansion for us this past year. Great. I'll pass along. Thank you. Thanks, Gavin. Your next question comes from the line of Martin Tonar from ATV Capital. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Thanks very much for taking the question. Um, it sounds like uh, share from uh, the new Tier 1 title helped offset some of the losses from the cap customers that uh, that you talked about last quarter. This is the second quarter of seeing the impact of, the, of, the, of, of those uh, losses. Um, how should we think of the impact from those customers over the next couple of quarters? So when you say those customers, I'm assuming you mean sort of the historic Tier 3 and Tier 4 customers, Martin. So if I'm, I'm working yeah. off of that, yeah, so that, that was sort of my comment, I think, um, with Thanos around, around the moving parts, Martin. Um, because of this focus that we've got on the Tier 1s uh, and Tier 2s, both the ones that we have currently on the platform, as well as out, uh, working hard on the new customers, uh, that's, that's definitely a, a high priority for the business. Uh, the benefit, of course, of the work that we've been doing on the Tier 1s and Tier 2s uh, from an operational excellence standpoint, is we're now offering that type of benefit across the board to our other customers. So I think uh, the, the benefit there is I think our overall operational uh, performance is, is, is starting to spread now across the portfolio uh, with that focus that we've had on the Tier 1s and Tier 2s. So I think we should see that uh, continuing to be an opportunity for us. Um, I think market conditions continue to evolve, as, as I mentioned. So I think we'll have to see how the rates move um, and, and what the evolution is with the, the consumer. And then, uh, Martin, I talked about the year-over-year -year comparables because I think those, uh, again, we had those historic Q1, Q2 um, months, uh, quarters last year. And so we're going to have to see how that plays through in the first couple quarters this year. Thanks very much. Uh, when I look back to the share you disclosed for uh, the appraisal business in the uh, investor presentation last year at the analyst day, it looks like you lost a little bit of share in uh, purchase appraisal. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about the drivers there and, and what impact they'll have going forward? Sure. So, I mean, I think that, that was um, – in the, in the question from uh, Gavin around the marginal increase in overall uh, market share, so you're right, the slightly down on purchase and, and slightly up on, on refi, Martin. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the mix uh, and the, I'll call it, overperformance of the non-bank lenders uh, in the refi space over the past year versus 
uh, some of the, the the big bank players. So I think that that goes both on refi and on purchase. It so happens in a heavy refi market. That's when the the non banks really lean in uh, to the business. And so I think that's that really explains it from for uh, our analysis. That really is the the, the key driver of the uh, the explanation around that. And as I say, if you if you take that market mix out of the equation, uh, you would have seen I think a double digit uh, market share growth for us across uh, both refi and uh, purchase. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, can you can you share anything new about? Uh, the possibility of developing um, a purchase title business? Yeah, sure. So um, we, of course, continue to evolve that. Uh, we've been working with a few lenders that have been very focused on centralizing the purchase experience, as many of, uh, as many of, of the overall process of that into a much more centralized play. So we've been advancing those conversations, um, Martin, with a couple of the key lenders. Uh, we, we're feeling very good about the evolution of the design uh, of how that would work. And so our goal this year is to, uh, is to get out and actually pilot uh, something in the purchase title space. So I think we're on track to do that, feeling very optimistic about uh, the design that we're putting around that. It's, oh, great. Well, that is exciting. Uh, last question for me. What has the impact of waivers had of late? Has that waiver rate uh, declined? Yeah, it continues to decline, Martin. So, uh, you know, it peaked in Q2. We, we, we shared with, uh, with you that I think we're in the low 30% range uh, in Q2. We've now trundled down through the 20s. Uh, in Q3, and, and we think we're pretty close to that 20%, maybe even a little bit under, at, uh, under it in Q4. So not surprisingly, um, as sort of I think we laid out uh, at the start of all of that, GSEs did what I think they, they should do um, in a time of challenge around the pandemic, and uh, now definitely uh, they are, the GSEs are becoming a smaller proportion of the overall market and waiver rates are, are definitely coming down. And I think, uh, Martin, we've shared with you in the past that cash out refi is, is growing, not surprisingly, and, uh, and rate refi has been, has been shrinking. So that mix uh, has definitely come into play. And so, as I say, we're down uh, somewhere under 20% right now. Great. Thanks. That's all for me. Your next question comes from the line of Robert Young from Canica Genuity. Your line is open. Hi, um, I was uh, hoping to revisit something you said a few quarters back around uh, the potential for uh, new wins and share gains to sort of move forward if the uh, market slowed down. So now I guess we're looking at potentially a slower market uh, if, uh, if, given where rates are. And so are you seeing um, some of these RFP opportunities in, you know, in the tier one, tier two pipeline in title or even in appraisal, and you said you won eight this quarter. Is this maybe in a slower environment, or are you seeing more opportunities starting to come in front door? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Appreciate that question. And, you know, I, I think I'd actually sort of line that up. The reason that I mentioned the, the NBA conference a couple of weeks ago is, uh, number one, as a Canadian being down in San Diego, I was a little bit uh, blown away by how open the, the business was down there. But that, that, I think, is symbolic of, uh, of sort of what's going on right now, which is I think businesses are now starting to open up. Um, employees are now coming back to work. 
And so uh, I actually, at that conference, because I was able to meet with quite a few title heads, uh, it really drove home for me that for at least down in the U.S., it's definitely business as usual now. And so those RFI and RFP conversations have started back up with, a, I would say, a little more pace than they were, uh, call it a quarter ago, simply because I think with the, the, the Delta wave, I think that sort of slowed things down again a bit. So um, my view would be, especially with, uh, with some of those bigger players that we've been in conversations with, that those conversations are back up on the table. Um, I had very specific conversations with two of our, our big targets in that tier one space. And, uh, and both of them, I think, uh, I would have taken away from the conversations, both that they're aware that we are performing quite well, Rob, um, with, uh, with their competitors, with our other customers. Uh, and number two, that the RFI and RFP processes are back in play. So back in play, meaning they've, they've got a little bit more pace. I think they, as I say, they slowed down a little bit last quarter, but uh, I feel that they're, they're back moving. appraisal wins, it seems, that seems like a large number. Is, is there any way to put that into context? Are these all smaller wins, or are they, uh, how would I put that into context with previous quarters? Yeah, so they're, they're a mix, Rob. They're a mix. So listen, these are Tier 3s and Tier 4s, so there's not a Tier 1 or Tier 2 in there. Um, they're Tier 3s, tier, tier 4s, and uh, as you know, we'll continue to, to bring on customers, the ones that have, of course, fit into our uh, interested in operational performance type mix, and uh, and so these are a lot of them are very healthy customers. There's some really great names in there. We brought on Zillow this past quarter, so uh, Zillow. We've got uh, a couple of other good names, but but maybe not uh, necessarily tier one, tier two type volume. Okay, great. Uh, um, the, you mentioned the, um, the the higher level of cash out refi and. I was hoping you just expand on that, just to try and put that into context with, um, you know, the uh, rate refi headwind. Um, how much of an offset is that? How large is it? How could you put any color around that? Uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, so I think if I put color around it, I'd start with the equity that are in people's homes now, uh, Rob, because it's it's quite a bit different than uh, even 10 years ago. So. Uh, right now, there's $9 trillion in, uh, in American homes. And so whereas we're at uh, sort of single percentage of, of those uh, homeowners that, that have negative ownership in the home, I think we're down in the sort of 2 to 3%, so you know, historic lows, whereas even a decade ago, we were in the 20s. Um, in negative equity. So you start there, I think that's the macro that uh, lots of equity in American homes now, and, uh, and we'll have to see how that plays through as far as cash outs go. Uh, but what we've seen in the past quarter is that the cash out uh, rate is definitely up. So it's up in the teens. And, uh, and not surprisingly, with uh, interest rates where they are, the refinance uh, rate refinance has, uh, has definitely come down. So uh, we'll have to see what that plays through, Rob, as far as rates go over the next couple of quarters. But we're definitely seeing movements, uh, one up uh, on the cash up, and then uh, not surprisingly, rate refinance coming down a bit. And would cash up re refi lean more towards the bank uh, refi that you're more heavily involved in, or would that also be a non-bank? Trevor, I hear Rocket Mortgage uh, ads on the radio uh, around <laughs> cash up refi, and so. Uh, 
I'm just trying to understand how that would impact uh, your mix of business uh, relative to rate refunds. Yeah, historically, Rob, it's definitely been uh, a bank, def definitely a bank-centric type play. They've definitely, uh, I think, sort of led the charge on cash out. But as you say, uh, the non-banks will do what they need to do over the next uh, couple of quarters or the next year to make sure that they're continuing to drive business. So we might see some creative work from uh, from them. But but historically, it's definitely been more bank-driven. Thanks for taking all the questions. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Again, to ask a question, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. Again, that's star 1 on your telephone. Your next question comes from the line of Richard Jeff from National Bank. Your line is open. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, so as you optimize capacity to bring on uh, an increasing number of Tier 1 and 2s in, in title, do you think that uh, you know, as you look forward to either next year or, or the year after that you'll be able to sort of bring back some of that uh, um, capacity of the Tier 3s and 4s, or, or should we not kind of you know, think that to be an opportunity going forward here? No, I mean, thanks for the question. We're going to continue to bring on uh, tier threes and fours as it makes sense. We just we are very focused on the tier one and tier two lenders, um, and that's really we built the capacity to start bringing them on. So, I mean, if you take a look uh, in in this past quarter, we're bringing on some very solid tier threes and tier fours. So we will continue to to, to bring those types of customers on. I've got the sales team, though, incredibly focused on uh, Tier 1s and Tier 2s. So over time, we're, we're going to bring on those Tier 1s and Tier 2s, and we will continually pepper uh, quarterly with uh, Tier 3s and Tier 4s. Okay. And thanks for sort of kind of reminding us of, you know, the scale the company has sort of come to. Like, obviously, the, the margins for the year have been, you know, quite strong. So as you look to... 2022, you know, given that the volumes will sort of pull back and the appraisal side, what's your ability to sort of preserve those margins? Do you have any kind of room um, to sort of uh, um, kind of take uh, OPEX down a little bit here and there to kind of preserve those margins, or um, is there probably a, a bit more negative operating leverage that way? Yeah, no, so listen, on, on the appraisal business, as you know, I mean, that, that business has scaled up. Uh, we do have all the tier ones. So that, that business is, uh, I would suggest, humming. Um, and so when we take a look at the year, even if, uh, if there, the, the rates continue to, to move up and even if there is a, an impact from a volume standpoint, uh, our intention is to continue to drive very strong margins, both net revenue and EBITDA. So you, you've seen, I think, that. The last quarter, um, we continue to have strong, strong uh, margins there. Um, I think the lessening of the the waivers and the GSE proportionality in the market also plays to our favor as far as addressable market going forward. So, uh, I think you know when we look at at our at both those margin lines, the scale of the business is such that we continue that we can continue to flex as need be and uh, and really preserve those those uh, those margins. Okay. Um, and then just uh, one other one for me. If you could maybe update us on the status of uh, you know, the, the acquisition prospecting on the data side. I didn't hear that sort of in your initial comments, and you know it's something that you had talked about uh, through the course of the past uh, few quarters and, and your recent, well, not, not so recent investor day. Just uh, wanting to kind of give us a sense of where that stands. 
Sure. Well, I mean that that of course continues to be part of our our longer term view on on uh, where we're going to go and the the opportunity in the data business. So uh, we've continued this past quarter as we have uh, much of the year looking at uh, verticals, talking to uh, companies within those verticals, and really honing our overall strategy around data. So we're, we're going to continue to do that. Uh, we take a look at other. Uh, inorganic growth opportunities. So we've continued to do that, whether they're, they're tuck-ins uh, or other opportunities uh, in that space. That, of course, will continue to be part of uh, what, we, what we look at from a long-term perspective. The reality is we are very focused right now on the title business. Um, as you've seen from the results, we're going to continue to focus both on the performance side of the business, but also on, on onboarding uh, new customers. And so uh, that's really been at the forefront, which is why you've, you've sort of heard us spend a, a good chunk of time on it. Continue to, to drive, uh, as you mentioned, the, the margins and the business uh, on appraisal. And uh, as I say, we'll continue to have in our scope uh, data and other inorganic opportunities. Um, and we'll just have to see how that unfolds over the, over the next few quarters and, and, and years. Okay. Thank you for that today. Your next question comes from the line of Paul Speep from Scotia Capital. Your line is open. Great. Thanks. You just caught the first part of my question with Richard. So just two quick model cleanups. Just can you clarify for us on central with title about maybe the client shift that occurred there if we're through that? And then were we fully ramped with the Tier 1 and Tier 2 for the full quarter, or was it still building and then just one clarification on Bill's comment on the, the uh, non-centralized piece. Uh, so uh, on the, uh, I'll try and tackle that as best I can. So the first piece that I'll tackle is uh, Tier 1. So uh, we were awarded that share during the quarter. So I think you were asking me, is it fully ramped? It wasn't fully ramped in the quarter. We, As I say, we were sort of allocated that during the quarter. That's the first piece. The second piece, I think, was around, um, I guess, sort of t our Tier 1, Tier 2s versus our Tier 3s and 4s. So Tier 1s and 2s, uh, the goal, of course, will be to continue to perform the way we have this past year and continue to build share there. Uh, we are now uh, getting the benefits of some of that operating performance that we've got uh, with, that, with those that Tier 1 and Tier 2 now. We can now start pushing that throughout the business. So some of our tier threes and fours are now experiencing some of the, the benefits of, uh, of that operational work that we've done by adding the capacity that we added. So my assumption is that uh, Paul will continue to see uh, positive market share trending with, with those customers. The other pieces are, are, uh, are, are, as I was saying, sort of the moving parts, right, which is the new customers, so when they come on, uh, and which tiering comes on at sort of what cadence over the next uh, quarters slash uh, year. And then, uh, and then, of course, the market piece and continuing to figure out uh, which lenders are able to take advantage of the 11.5 million homeowners that are, that are ready for a refi. So which of those are actually going to start really pushing in, putting a lot of marketing in, driving, uh, driving some results from that. So... I think there's, there's sort of a bit of a mix in there depending on, on which of the moving parts uh, pulls which lever. That helps. Mm -hmm. Paul, I think your last question was yeah. just 
Sorry, yeah, Paul, I think your last question was around the, the diversified uh, piece. And in, in my prepared remarks, diversified uh, revenue has, has basically been fully rationalized. We really have uh, what will be a, our view is a trickle of, of revenue coming through in our Q122 timeframe, but really expect no further revenue from uh, from that service offering in Q2 and beyond. Got it. That was the question. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks, Paul. There are no further questions at this time. Presenters, please continue. Presenters, please continue. I think that means we'll probably wrap up the call then if there's no other questions. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate your time. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.